Pastor Michael, and for our Good Friday meditation talk, I'm going to talk about death. We have never had a funeral in our church. There has never been a member of our church who has passed away. I have conducted many wedding ceremonies. I baptized many babies, but I have never given a funeral sermon. But I want you to know that day is coming. And through the course of time in the life of our church, it will happen many times, many times. And we we need to accept this truth and come to terms with it. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. The Bible says that death in this life is inevitable. We will all experience it. We will all feel its power. Most of us will have friends, neighbors, co-workers who will pass away. We will see loved ones die. Death is a universal human experience. And yet there's never been a culture like ours that is less prepared for death, less capable of facing death. Why is that? I think a big part of the answer is medical technology because of advances in medicine. Um, Some of you, most of you may not know this, but when I was a young man, still struggling to be a pastor, I worked at a hospital. Um, I worked at a cancer research center and I provided computer support. I would uh, set up workstations, I would troubleshoot people's problems, and uh, I was not very good at the job. Uh, It was a mercy job from someone in the church uh, as I was training for ministry. And uh, at my job, there were uh, these research assistants, people who would guide families and patients through the uh, uh, medical regimens, and uh, they were like me in their 20s. And uh, we would talk. And I remember asking them, like, what is the experience like working with patients and families? And they told me the overwhelming emotion that people expressed was shock. Complete shock. Patients and families, when they were facing terminal cancer, would say, there's got to be a treatment. And often there was no treatment. There were experimental drugs. That's what the uh, that's what our department was handling, but mostly they didn't work. And so people were in denial. They couldn't face the prospect that their life was about to end, and they would go through extraordinary measures, often painful, agonizing treatments to prolong their life 
just a few more weeks or months and they had no peace in their heart because for many people and because of our culture we are deeply afraid of death we don't know how to deal with death and as a culture we do everything that we can to hide death we keep it from our view as if it were some kind of uncomfortable, unmentionable secret. Uh, several years ago, I read an article in The Atlantic about the history of cemeteries, and it was really fascinating. Uh, the cemeteries that we're all um, familiar with, you know, these sort of large, grassy memorial parks, is actually a recent invention. It's, it came into being only about 100 years ago, and before that, you would bury your dead at home or at church. Every church had a graveyard. And buried there would be the members of the church. And every Sunday, you would go to worship service and you would walk past the graveyard. And it was this constant reminder of your mortality. The article said that a um, hundred years ago, the vast majority of people prepared the body for burial with their own hands. They would lovingly clean and prepare the body. But now we have professional morticians. We have removed graveyards from everyday sites. When I drive around Castro Valley or Hayward or Dublin, I never see a graveyard. Never. It's as if they don't exist. It's as if our culture is trying to deny the reality of death. But the more we try to hide it, the more we make it a taboo subject in our conversations, the more it haunts our dreams. And the more it lives in our subconscious fears. There's a um, psychology experiment. It's really interesting. And it goes like this. Imagine this scene. It's Christmas Eve. It's a beautiful starlit night. Light snow is falling down. A family, a young family of four, are in a car. And they're on their way to grandma's house for dinner. They're listening to the radio. Their favorite Christmas carol comes on. And the kids break out into song. And then the parents join in. And then the camera pans and zooms in on the faces of the kids and the mom and the dad. And they are so happy. They are so happy. What happens next? That's the experiment. What do you think happens in the next scene? And the majority of people will answer car crash. We just instinctually think. The moment we imagine, we think about this happy family scene, we think next about loss, we think about grief, we think about suffering. We all feel 
the fragility of love. And no matter how much we try to push it out of our minds, deep down we know life is impermanent. We feel it in our bones. And so, there is an anxiousness in our culture. There is this deep despair barely concealed by the prosperity and wealth of our age. And because we live in an age where there is no hope beyond this material world, beyond this physical existence, that's our culture. But I want you to know there is a Christian hope. And I want to read to you a passage from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 to 14. Listen to the Apostle Paul. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So what is this saying? It's saying, first of all, to be a Christian is that we do grieve. Death is loss. It's the parting of loved ones. And it hurts so deeply. Nicholas Wolterstorff is a uh, Christian philosopher at Yale. And uh, he wrote a book after the death of his son. It's a beautiful book called Lament for a Son. It's very raw and personal. And uh, when I read it, it really moved me to see a father grieving for his son. I just want to read you a very short passage from the book. There's a hole in the world now. In the place where he was, there's there's now just nothing. A center like no other of memory and hope and knowledge and affection which once inhabited this earth is gone. Only a gap remains. The world is emptier now. My son is gone. I want you to know that this is the way Christians talk about death. It is honest and vulnerable. There's no false courage. There's no happy, pious talk. But they allow themselves, he allows himself for sorrow to wash over him. He allows himself to feel its raw depths. That is what it means to grieve as a Christian. There is no denying, no denial of the pain of death. But I want you to know At the same time, to be a Christian is that we do not grieve without hope. Without hope. What is this hope? This is the Christian hope. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you give your life to Him, He will stand in 
front of you. And he will take the full force of death in your place. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 53 says he was wounded for our transgressions. The Bible says death is separation from the love of God. Jesus on the the cross cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Bible says death is destruction. It's punishment. And the Son of God on the Roman cross endured torture and agony. And when you believe in that, Paul says in Colossians 3.3, our life is hid in Christ. It means that we come under the shelter of His wings. It means that we're like a little child enveloped in the arms of our Father and nothing can touch us there. I remember um, years ago, I was uh, taking a walk with Judah when he was like two years old. I remember the street, it was Mandela Parkway in Oakland. And as we were walking down the street, this enormous dog that came up to my chest started bounding towards me. And then Judah looked at me and, you know, I'm a little bit afraid of dogs, and so I sort of transferred my anxiety to my children. And so Judah looked up at me and he raised his arms daddy, daddy. And so I scooped them up into my arms and held them close. And then the dog, I kid you not, jumped on me. And I think he was trying to be playful, but he was just jumping on me. And I I held Judah. And he was absolutely safe in my arms. If you are in Christ... 1 Thessalonians says, death is but sleep. Death has been transformed into sleep. It is just a dark passageway that leads out into a beautiful ball. Because you're safe in his arms. Do you understand? I want to close with this uh, illustration. And the illustration is that... um, there was a pastor who had, whose wife had died, and they had a young daughter. And uh, as they were driving home from the funeral, at one point the pastor looked up, and he said to his daughter, do you see that truck? And his little girl said, yes. And then the pastor said, do you see the shadow of the truck? She said, yes. Then the pastor asked, would you rather be hit by the truck or by a shadow? And she said, by the shadow. And then the pastor told his daughter, because Jesus was hit by the truck of death, your mother only has to now go through the shadow of it. That's the gospel. That's the Christian hope. And I'm going to talk more about it on Sunday at the Easter service. And I hope you'll join us then. Please join me in prayer.
God, the Bible says that our greatest enemy, the last enemy, is death. Death is the wages of sin. Adam and Eve were told that if they partake of the forbidden fruit, they will surely die. We were in Adam. So we partook of the fruit. And so the sentence of death hangs over all of us. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that he took the penalty of death in our place. On the cross. On Good Friday. And that's why it is good. Because you rescued us from sin and death. You rescued us from this broken world. And we pray that we would respond with faith and joy and celebration. And we look forward to Easter Sunday when we can sing praises of the resurrection. And even now, we know it's coming. There are many people in this room who are still grieving the death of their loved ones. They miss, they miss them terribly. Would you please comfort them and encourage them? Would you please be with them? We pray this in Christ's name.